Hello, Sean Patrick. Hello, Lindsay Waugh. How are you? I'm good. I'm like chill. So chill? I'm chill. I also feel too chill. Is this going to be a sleepy episode? Oh, no, no. I'm not, I'm not like chill, chill. I'm good chill. Oh, good. Sean's been having some CBD before this episode began. (laughs) (laughs) I do use CBD. I use topical CBD. Oh, for like achy muscles and joints? Yeah. I haven't had to, but yeah, my daughter bought it for us like a couple years ago. It's probably not good anymore, but it does the trick. She gave it, I think, to me or my wife. I don't know. It's in the fridge. I use untopical CBD. Way to go. I wonder if I should just smear it all over my body. Just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Smear it on some toast and call it a day. Note for 2022. Can we talk about drugs? Drugs? Yeah. All right. Do we get to do the episode on <laughs> drugs? I don't think you want that. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> having an wow. hour recording of yourself on drugs. That would be amazing. I'm too much amazing. on drugs. Everyone could Look imagine. forward to that in 2022, people. <laughs> One hour long. It would feel like four hours. It would just be me be laughing. Like, I'm That's so all that happens. Hungry. I'm gonna have to take a break. I, I, like I'm just out of control laughing. So well, there's going to be some big things going on probably in the cannabis industry as the world opens back up. There is going to be, I think, bigger regulations put back in place. It sounds like so. Oh, brands beware. Oh, there's I'm sure a teaser. you're already aware. <laughs> just it's just sean who is it okay keep me sean posted. beware actually the only reason we have these episodes is so that Lindsay can just let me know what's going on in the world yeah oh yeah watch out big things happening in cannabis our first uh episode of 2022 will be watching sean eat cbd body cream on toast <laughs> <laughs> banana bread. that's not a nail biter i don't know what is i don't know <laughs> Ah, so what are we here to talk about? Because we have a lot to talk about in so little time, which is obviously the best way for us to operate. (laughs) Yeah, efficiency. Let's roll with it, baby. So today, let's not go about how this is our 15th try, uh, but today is the top three, whatever you want them to be, revelations of 2021 by the two and only marketeers. (laughs) That was good. And it was because we couldn't settle on a topic, right? So it was like top three, whatever you want it to be. Yeah, we're like, let's do a top three and- Let's do it. Lindsay will tell you, uh, cause we've already recorded this 16 times. Um, don't ever <laughs> go looking for a top three. Don't search for it that way. Right, Lindsay? Searching for anything marketing and brand related top three recommendations will give you career ending anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> because <want> all. <laughs> All you see are endless and endless and endless search pages of the top 72 things you better do next week or your brand is dead. Uh, Brands get one chance. (laughs) That's why it's top three, whatever you want it to be. Everybody gets a chance. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let's just do this. I'm in. Let's do it. But can you do your David Letterman announcer like you did last time? I mean, we we do have to- Last time we recorded this? We do have to acknowledge that I look like David Letterman. 
And I don't take it as an insult. So that's pretty sad. <laughs> and who's his faithful sidekick? Paul Schaefer. Oh, Who Canada. wears the sunglasses? The little round totally, sunglasses? Babe. You know it, babe. I actually, I saw David Letterman once walking down the street at South by Southwest when I was there one year. Oh, And I yeah. was like, what? I was like starstruck. He's Love tall, him. isn't he? Yeah. He's tall and very lanky. Yeah, he lanked right by. <laughs> Anyways, already off track. Awesome. We're going to start with Lindsay's top three, whatever you want them to be, revelations of 2021. Lindsay, need a minute? It's a lot of pressure. No, I don't need a minute. Okay. I'm ready. Number three is B2B brands can kill it with content, social or otherwise. Wow. So we don't talk about B2B often. We talk about B2C a lot, all of the time. That's because you're a snob. No, I think, I think it's just in my career upbringing. I didn't have a lot of opportunity to work on B. I think I worked on right. maybe one or two or three projects in the last 10 years that were B2B. And they're not typically agency projects is all I'm saying. You know, it's usually big brands. No, it's brands, a specialty. Consumer. Yeah. And it should be. It should be so. Like you shouldn't just lob a B2B project over to an agency that doesn't do B2B. Like it's a special specialty for a reason. I think we just should clarify uh, B2B means business to business and B2C means business to consumer. So Lindsay in her illustrious, in her illustrious career would have been doing work for brands like uh, McDonald's or Walmart or, uh, you know, Loblaws, Wells Fargo. Basically we're helping big brands or she was help. She helps big brands figure out the best way to go to market in a consumer world. So that's business to consumer B2C. B2B is when you're selling to businesses um, and to be honest, Lindsay, I think you're totally right. Now marketing has a very important place in B2B. And I guess you just realized it's sexier than ever. Totally sexier than ever. Why? And the way that I stumbled upon this was I was, I was working on a B2B project, a brand positioning, uh, project this year for a venture capital fund. And, um, I was just doing a bit of an audit. So what do B2B brands do? Is there anyone doing anything interesting out there? What can we learn? What kind of takeaways can we, can we take from um, seeing what other people have done? And I came across some really interesting B2B brands that made me fall in love with B2B content, specifically social media content, because that's mm, always kind of the place where I, I start. Yeah. yeah so um, while I was doing this audit, I came across MailChimp. MailChimp? Right. Heard of it. Yes. MailChimp, which started out as kind of an email provider for businesses to have an email software to send out messages to consumers, um, is now kind of like a marketing automation platform. So much larger than its original email routes. Um, <laughs> And I came across them on Instagram. So I was like, what, like, what is this? What kind of con art content are they doing? Um, and it was super fascinating because um, Sean's more the creative guy than I am. And I was just, I was taken aback by their content because it's so beautifully designed. 
Yeah. And they have some really, really interesting things that they do from a content perspective. So like an example is they run their own podcast um, where they kind of bring forward different entrepreneurs and small business approach to commerce. They do a lot of things with LGBTQ plus communities um, and supporting different racial injustice initiatives. They tell their small business stories of their entrepreneurs that they support in really interesting ways. Yeah. So I was like, wow, they're actually doing some things that are really, really cool. And now I am proud to say that I'm a loyal follower of MailChimp content. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember when you brought this up and I mean, I'd already been, you know, I've used MailChimp as a small business owner. Um, and actually back in the days of agency, um, it was an excellent tool to use and always the highest recommended from our tech team. So right, right. there, you know, it's pretty robust, um, a very competitive marketplace, um, going from big business to small, they are B2B and they, oh, they, they know they are, but they've made some bold moves. I know they rebranded uh, a couple of years ago, right? I think right when COVID was first happening, at least that's when I noticed it. And the way they launched the brand, they really did yeah. put out that we have a whole new identity. Um, but then I started seeing things like weekly television or weekly content, like shows, like reality shows, much like self-improvement shows, but about small right. business owners. And um, they've got great stories from around mm -hmm. the world. So they basically, they made that decision that they're going, they're pivoting towards competing with the Netflix or the Prime yeah. uh, in, in a way that's, no, they'll always be niche business, but everyone's a business now. Like right. it's, it's great. It's true. And I think what they really realize is that, and we, we talk about this a lot with regards to consumers and shoppers is that people are people, right? Like just because <laughs> they're just a business owner and they're communicating to a business doesn't mean that that person as a person in the world, isn't on Instagram and looking yeah. for something interesting to follow. So I think they really do that very well in yeah. acknowledging that they're the people that they're selling to are also just people in the world. So how can they capture their attention? Yeah. They also do something really awesome that I'm, I'm jealous that we didn't come up with this first, but it's called marketing shelfie. They have a marketing shelfie series. Okay. Um, and essentially it's them just providing the best books and resources that might be on their shelves around marketing and starting a business and entrepreneurship and, you know, best practices. Um, so they're just providing those kind of value add recommendations as well to their community. So I'm like, dang, we should have come up with a marketing shelfie series. We still can. I'll just call it something else. That's awesome. Yeah. I love how, like for me and, and with Wise Guy, I mean, most of my clients are B2B. And, and I'll be honest, yeah, I almost revel in the fact that a lot of people don't realize how sexy it is because what I liked about it when I had early exposure to it was they come to it knowing a heck of a lot more about their audience than a typical B2C brand, a consumer brand would. Because, right. because of the relationship a, driven, right? Yeah. And it's a very clear understanding of the kind of business you're selling to. So it's, it, it's right. what you always hoped B2C could be, but will always be scrambling to some extent, especially when it comes to what Lindsay will say is mindset. Um, you have within a business community, you have a much clearer understanding of what the external pressures are and what the mindset is right down to the day to day. Right. So yeah, I completely agree. It's funny when you ask a like B2C client, like what's, what's the journey like, what are your customer? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. Oh. Like they're, I don't know. Are they on Instagram or Google? Is it Pinterest or my app? Like there it's just, 
It's a far more elusive where you ask a B2B customer or your client, like what do your, what process do your customers go through to get you? They're like, they're on the website, then email, then they go here, then they go this, they read this report and then they phone us and you're like such a clear vision. Yeah. It's a very willing community and yeah. Right. Great. So can we work together on a few of my, a few of my projects? No, we're not friends or colleagues. Right. We're strictly marketeers. I'm the one who Um, says we're not friends. You can say we're not (laughs) colleagues. We will not work together. So B2B is sexy. B2B is sexy. I challenge us next year in 2022 to focus a little bit more on B2B. Bring some of the stuff that you work on and the insights that you have, Sean, like forward to people so that we can start to provide more of that balanced perspective on B2C versus B2B. Okay, you're on. More from Sean Patrick in 2022 on B2B. But this is 2021, and right now it's about Lindsay. So, Lindsay, number two revelation of 2021. You cannot group people based on demographic and lifestyle alone and expect that to be an effective way to target them any longer. What? It's all about mindset. Are you crazy? The thing you need to drill down on most when thinking about communicating with people is mindset. And really this came from, this revelation in 2021 came from personal experience. Um, But wait a minute, you're a 30 something year old, or we'll just call you a millennial, head of household. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Female (laughs) head of household who spends this much a week and makes this much a year. Why, what more do I need to know? I know everything I need to know about you. (laughs) Well, what I've really witnessed is that people who seem exactly like me, who have the same size family as mine, live in the same community as mine, have a very similar upbringing to mine, education, even people who've worked in similar jobs to mine can have very different mindsets and views and values, especially during crisis situations like a pandemic. So what I've witnessed personally, which has made me even challenge myself more in strategy work that I do is that understanding mindset is, has never been more critical because the way that people think about like vaccines, mask wearing, um, supporting small business, local convenience, Mm. all of these different factors. When I look at people exactly who seem exactly like me, the way that we've thought about these things has been like, could not be more polarizing over the last year. And I'm just like, wow, like not only from um, a strategy discovery, like people insights kind of perspective, do we try to dive into mindset? But I think it's even more critical to continue to try and understand like those fine nuances of how people are feeling, what they're thinking, what they're actually doing versus what they're saying they're doing and starting to do group people more based on their mindset, what they believe, what they're willing to action, what they're willing to do versus what they, they say that they are on the surface to actually start communicating with people more effectively. Okay. So what do we do with that? Well, I think it's for us all to kind of challenge ourselves, how we dive further into that. Like we talk about a lot of different ways, how you get into mindset, more fine nuances, whether it's like focus group, one-to-one kind of interview experiences, whether it's things like social listening and reviewing, commenting and different kind of groups and Reddit and subreddit groups and what people are actually kind of authentically saying to one another versus just saying like, well, I mean, 
their family of four and they're Caucasian and they're from Canada and they live in Ontario. Like we, it's, it's more about talking to people further and really doing some more of that deep dive to figure it out further because I just, I've seen such a shift in the way that demographic and psychographic used to be okay. I think that people were a lot more aligned than they are now, um, especially in the society, like political landscapes, all of these different elements have greatly impacted people over the last year. So the last two years, I guess, and using more of those tools and really dedicating yourself to understanding the nuances of mindset will help you get further. Yeah. And I think, you know, we always like to ask ourselves, so why now? What did happen? And I think it's true. I think all the things that society faced in the last two years, it's not just the pandemic, has forced values to bubble up and become more Mm -hmm. important than ever before. And I think now what's different is now we have social we have social media. So it's not about necessarily about how many people do this many things is what is the dialogue? Mm-hmm. What is the conversation saying? Now that we have social, we can apply sentiment. It's a fine line because how will you ever master qualitative data, which probably now more than ever is the most important. And that's the stuff that scares me a little bit. Why? It's, it's just a concern. Uh, like I'm, I'm all in right? Mm -hmm. I just hope that we all, me included, so I'm not sitting here thinking I'm better than everyone else. It's just that I do hope that there's good behaviors that come from it and bad uh, for no one less than marketers themselves. And it's about just doing it for good, Um, you know, helping, uh, Mm. making it easier for people, Um, but just not losing that essence that make us human. I think that's the key though, is the human part of it. Like, even when we're just sending out like qualitative surveys, as an example, online, like it's, it's even more valuable as a person, as a strategist, as someone who's thinking about how to talk to people to even just be in stores with people, talk to them about what they're looking for and how they're shopping and, and how some different, you know, factors are playing into the decisions that they're making. Um, I think that's even more critical than it's ever been. It's about immersing yourself, right? So you have that perspective. And I think one word, and it, it reminds me, and it's a word I haven't heard that much in industry, and it was pretty hot early on in the in the uh, 2020, was uh, empathy. And right. I think it's interesting. Would you consider yourself an empath? Not not to the degree of Sean Patrick. Okay. No, and I, <laughs> it's like, it's not a, it's not a quality. It's a characteristic. And it's just sort right. of like, like, that's why, for example, you would be saying like B2B, it's just so cool. And that sort of thing is I yeah. come from UX. I think, you know, as a creative guy design, and I was drawn to UX because I was really fascinated that I could put myself in a situation and not answer the question, but truly question the question and be like, are we asking right. the right question here? Because when someone starts putting me in a scenario, I think it's what makes me good at what I do is I throw away my personal and start thinking about how other people would feel. Well, how would this right. make anybody feel? Um, and I don't believe empathy is something that a computer can replicate. And I think that empathy is at the core of what makes us human. It doesn't mean that you don't have empathy. When you feel or demonstrate empathy, it's just at a different level than others. Empathy is a human, it is a human thing. So that's all. I'm not, I think on the other hand, it it actually enables empathy, uh, what you're talking about. It right. helps humans to understand as much as they can about the consumer. Then, you know, where's that step that says, uh, do it right? Where's the human touch? Where does a human step in and make the decision of now's the time? 
mm-hmm. to communicate this to this yeah. human. Yeah. And I think as well, like diversity plays a huge role in it as, as well as, as the immersion part of getting out there and understanding yes. how people feel who are not like you. Right. I think right. We, we won't get into this now. This is a whole topic that we're both yeah. very fired up about that. Yeah the ad industry struggles as many do with diversity. And so I think it's really about getting out and especially exploring, talking to people who aren't like you so that you can start to understand how other groups feel and what their mindsets are in comparison to yours. There it is, is mindsets important because there are so many. Right. And the more, yeah, good point. Okay. Let's end on that one because it's pretty deep. Number Uh, three. No, number one. This is why you shouldn't do this. Oh, I cannot get it. I can't get it. And the number one revelation. Oh, sorry. And the number one 2020. No, what is it? Top three, whatever you want it to be. Number one. Top three, whatever you want it to be, Lindsay. Revelation of 2021 is... Just because you did it last year does not mean you have to do it again. What do you mean? Why not? (laughs) This epiphany came from an article I was actually reading in the New York Times. I like the way you said you were actually reading. I'm just pulling it up here. It's called When Sweatpants Are Epiphanies. This is a teachable pandemic. (laughs) When sweatpants are epiphanies. When sweatpants are epiphanies. Don't you love that title? I was like, this is amazing. I'm 100% talking about this. But I love how they position the entire pandemic as a teaching moment. A teachable pandemic. Love it. Well, that's the thing I think that it was so interesting at the beginning of the pandemic because everyone's like, well, let's look back at past pandemics. What happened the last time we had a pandemic? <laughs> I was like, there was not the internet. There was like horse. I don't know. It was so long ago. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. The mill shut down? Oh, it's terrible. But anyways, yeah. you're totally right. It can't apply. Different mindset, do you think? Yeah, different mindset. So I'm reading this when sweatpants are epiphanies. And the thing that it says in this article was that just because we once did it does not mean that we have to do it again. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Like, it seems so simple. But I think when, but why again, do you think, what's the habit of people think like of us thinking we have to do it again? What is it that drives that? So, well, this is what we did before. So, well, it's like, it, I, used it do, I used to do, I used to do that. Black, so now oh. I just, no, I think it's, it's just, it's not, what's the habit. It's a habit. It's not, what's the habit. It's habitual. Like our behaviors as humans are habitual. Right. So even though things, you may do things that aren't what you want to be doing or that, you know, aren't good for you. Right. As an example, someone might drink a glass of wine every red night, a red one, little red glass of wine. <laughs> like just because you did it last night does not mean that you have to do it again, but we are habitual beings. So I think at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people were like, well, when we go back, I'm going to go to all the events I used to go to. When we go back, I'm going to keep doing Thanksgiving the and same I way that we always wait. did. Yes. That's not me talking. <laughs> yeah, I was like, do, you do? So uh, part of this article said, did you find that extended contact and deep conversations with a tiny bubble of people was more fulfilling to you than a brief contact and shallow chit chat with a huge rotating cast of them? Right. You can structure your life that way by choice going forward. Choice. 
by choice. Right? And just because, you know, you used to go to the Raptors game every Sunday and, and now you enjoy it more watching it on TV for some, it doesn't mean you have to go back to your old habits. So I think personally, it's been very enlightening because I am someone who has enjoyed shorter bursts of connections with smaller groups of people, you know, deeper, but brief. Yeah. Deeper. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. Deeper. And from a brand and marketing perspective, I'm, I'm starting to see this behavior come back up now where people are like, well, we can do events and we can oh, do door-to-door sales now. So what did we do in 2019 when we could do that? Let's dust off that old media plan and pull her back out. Okay. So you're saying you're sensing that, it, that we're slipping back. A hundred percent. Yes. Oh, I feel that too. Where Absolutely. people are like, we're slipping. well, I mean, we used to run, run radio ads because people were driving to work all the time. And so now we're going to turn the radio ads back on and we're going to host our biannual conference that we do. And we are going to start to go door to door to ask for donations. And it's like, just so let me say this in a business context, just because we once did it does not mean we have to do it again. And so I think from a personal and a professional perspective, it's like, no, like don't dust off the way that you once were just because you feel compelled to bring that person back. Don't dust off the old media plan that you had last year or in 2019, just because you think that you can do it now. If you ran a TikTok test and learn last year and it didn't work, do not feel the need to continue doing it. It's time to continually challenge ourselves to say, how do we want to design our lives and our experiences and our brands and our marketing plans moving forward in a way that makes sense right now? It's like, (laughs) not to bring back mindset, but shift your mindset that year over year cannot be your approach anymore. It was the marketing seal of approval. It's how marketing performed. It's how it proved itself. It's how it grew. It's how it slowly evolved. There's no time to slowly evolve anymore. Iterate, iterate, iterate. Yeah. Which would be why even big brands should really engage maybe consultants uh, to even uh, come in and just give an objective look on what agencies are doing is that is that look you might say a fresh look to marketeers.ca all right (laughs) okay sean patrick it's my turn to be david letterman now do you think you can do it you can be paul schaefer (laughs) okay get my glasses paul schaefer and sean patrick it's time for your top three whatever you want it to be revelations of 2021. We're starting at the bottom. Number three is searching has become a life skill. What? What? So as people like you and me, Lindsay, I think sometimes we don't realize the value we're amassing or accumulating accumulating we'll go with that accumulating when our job is to search our job is to research discover. our job is to search our job is to discover we we go down holes we th- we get out of those holes we go back to those holes we find another hole and then our job is always to like dive deep come back dive deep come back what we don't realize is we are getting just like like a muscle we are getting better and better at it but not just us but our technology, 
right? So we were talking about this in the last episode where, you know, you got a playbook in the mail and I'm kind of laughing going, you make it sound like you think everyone gets those. Um, It's that idea that, first of all, the major shift that has happened in pandemic is humans, (laughs) the masses became better at searching because they had Mm. to. They had to get better at searching. And I mean, searching as in Google search, not just seeking and finding because that's what we do as humans but we have literally gotten so dependent on it and the more what though there's still some who don't do it very much and i realized that and it took me back to when i used to teach and i used to have this big research project that they had to do and you know the design students love research projects um not so (laughs) what i realized (laughs) was i had to show them and I was like, I'm not going to make it part of the curriculum because it'll never be approved. They'll think I'm nuts. But I had to show them how to search. Right. Because it was amazing to me how they would do everything to not Google a very basic question. Now, this is a while back. But fast forward to now, it's so funny, like even as a family, my kids are, you know, uber great at everything technology and they roll their eyes at me and all that stuff. But no one can touch me when it comes to, well, just, you know, what's the answer? Well, just, it's here. It's this doesn't mean that it means that I can quickly jump to things that gets an answer. Right. But I don't take everything I get as the answer. Right. It's it's what a strategist does. So what I realized, and it was because an article um, from Google that was talking about some new things that search is going to do. And you it's a core skill like speaking a language or being able to read or write search is now a point that i think if i really think about your kids specifically lindsay Mm -hmm. i don't even know if they're going to know it's an actual thing it's like saying there was a time when you started in an office you had to learn i remember the day i got email it was my third job i think email and it was only an internal thing you have to learn these things searches is a life skill the reason i think it's really important is understand that the better a human gets at it bigger the chance of survival. Like when you really get down to a Darwinian kind of way of thinking. Right. Why this is important is with all the stuff that's happened with Google and what's happening with marketers and brands is they're looking around going, okay, well, how will we beat this? Because there's a big threat to the advertising industry. And what about cookies and all this sort of stuff? And to be mm-hmm. honest, I don't get caught up in it because I'm like, it'll all work out. I don't care about the industry. I care about me, the consumer and the human. Right what brands have to and marketers need to think about and it's because a lot of the work i've been doing for clients now is a brand has an opportunity here to do one thing with all this evolution they all they either have an opportunity to help in this search or hinder it right and it's the brands who've taken that step back that are saying we have to question the three million we spend on advertising and we have to see if actually in a consumer driven world with everything that's saying and being the brand before the product is it really in the longer term going to grow our relationship with the customer by just Mm -hmm. tactically being where they're going to be and selling them something and if that's where our success lies you're going to find yourself down the end of a road where you've been you've you've missed the boat right right so the thing that really got me was and i shared it with you yesterday yesterday, Lindsay, was there was a stat from a work study that said basically that advertising spending is going back to that and shifting away from brand building. 
Right. And Performance was, marketing. Yeah. Slipping. I, I totally agree. I think brands priority in 2022 should simply be be found easily. <laughs> be yeah. found more easily. Like figure or help out them how. find. Help make it easy for them to well, find. That's, that's exactly what I mean. Be found. Yeah. Be able to be found. So understand where people are. Understand what they're typing into trying to find you and yeah. make yourselves found more easily. I think we're even going through this with our podcast, like revisiting how we're found easily. It's it's something that everyone should take as a priority. And what we're very conscious of, both you and I, is because the brand is us. We don't want to not be us. We don't want to heavily push. Like we're learning from it, um, being very careful in growing our following. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're at 10 now and we're really proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> life okay that's the end of that one okay search is a life skill and marketers don't fool yourself into thinking you're helping a hundred percent all right sean patrick number two on your top revelations of 2021 is marketing can change the world and in fact it does heavy heavy Marketing more than just about anything else changes the world. Um, Do tell. The thing is, is for better or for worse. Right. Oh, there's the worst part. Marketing (laughs) is how from distribution through to communication, through to creating wants, answering needs, all that stuff. It is the core of how business communicates, seller communicates with the buyer at every stage. Right. Where you and I, I think, have struggled this year is there's times where, okay, let's go find, you know, the latest this, like you said, top three. And it's like, ugh, you know, we've had our disappointments. Um, But what I wanted to do is there were two campaigns that came up and I wasn't even going to talk about campaigns because I couldn't find them. The thing that was beautiful about them was they just happened. They just came in Mm -hmm. organically through having coffee with our good friend Karen Wysocki and when she listened to Purpose Washing and she listened to a bunch of these things she saw this uh uh promotion that Kraft peanut butter has done have you seen this I did the EpiPen I did see it doesn't it make you want to almost cry a little bit imagine if you were a parent if imagine if you were affected by this and you see the goodness in it because what they did was they took a stance around making a step to change a problem that they cause. Right. So tell people what they did. So essentially the promotion is called protection for peanuts, which is brilliant in and of itself. We all know the craft has done some pretty incredible things in the last few years. Yeah. Uh, truly innovative. Basically, and I'm going to butcher this a little, little bit, but they identify, they know, they knew the problem as a market leader, they took responsibility and what they've done um, I think it's might just be Ontario, it could be across Canada, but the problem is this, a jar of peanut butter costs $5, an EpiPen, which of course is how you uh, counteract an allergic reaction to peanut butter, is $120. And, you know, they engaged, uh, you know, they, they, they brought on a, uh, an NHL player and all that stuff, but the, the message mm-hmm. to get across was, do you understand that your average parent or family with someone suffering from peanut allergies mm-hmm. has typically to have anywhere from four or more EpiPens and they expire annually. Each EpiPen. They do? Yeah. I'm not good at math, but that's a lot of money. Wow. For a just in case. Yeah. And it's, 
I, I don't even think it's covered. That's the big issue is, you know, they did their diligence and it's like, do you know that over 50% of the population that suffers from it cannot, they cannot afford it. Really? See, that's what the beauty of that campaign, I think, is the awareness. Like even myself, I, you know, as is someone who sends their kids to school every day, being peanut free because of, of and following things very closely to help protect other people. Just that education makes you feel more empathy. Like you and you need before. one in their school bag. You need one at home. If you're divorced or separated parents, you need one at each home. Yeah. Okay. And you throw them away. Hopefully, you hope you throw them away because it means you didn't need it. Right. Anyways, here's the beauty of it. So basically, their justification is an EpiPen should cost the same as a jar of peanut butter. Right. So that's their whole cause. I love, and you know I love this, I think you do too. When you break things down to mathematical equations, everyone understands. You see the, imp the actual impact. Yeah. Black and white. And they've you know worked with the government and set all this up. So... But what I'm curious about is like, what was the end goal of this campaign? Like where, what was it? Was there a call to action? Was it going anywhere? Yeah, you like, went to their website. For? Yes, you go to their website and that's where you submit your expense. Oh, so there are they reimbursing people for EpiPens? Yeah, they're funding, they're sorry, they're funding the program to ensure that that can happen. Okay, that's amazing. Thank you, Kraft Peanut Butter. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Think about the people they are serving. Do you think they buy peanut butter? No. Okay. Can we take a minute there? <laughs> yeah. And this is it. We talk about it. I have to say it's story doing. They are doing something for a market that does not use them. They are taking mm -hmm. a social responsibility to fix something that is a problem that they are a big contributor to. Well, bravo. That's amazing. Good on you, Kraft. I know we're running out of time. That's the one. I, I will only mention the one I posted um, a couple weeks ago, and that was the Norway Post in their postal service. And the, when yes. Harry met Santa ad, and uh, it brought a lot of discussion, but man, again, it makes you emotional. It's like these brands are changing the world in significant ways, and I hope it keeps happening. And if you're you're not familiar, we'll definitely include uh, the link yeah. to that in our in our notes. But also, we posted that article on our Two Marketeers LinkedIn page, so you can go check it out there as well. Awesome. So, number, number one. one, this is Sean Patrick's number one revelation of 2021. Work life balance is a social construct that needs to go away. I couldn't agree more. It's got to go away. It's slipping. We're slipping people. And I was stuck in it. it. It was almost the end of me. But the fact that we equate work with life, this I'm really big on social constructs right now, because basically everything we live in is a social construct. Some are good yeah. and some are bad um, for right. everyone. Um, it's got to stop. It's got, you know, like, like our, it made me think of uh, when we had Meg on, you know, such a great episode talking about the future of work and she provided such great insight and we're, she shared, you know, how she went through it mm -hmm. uh, during the pandemic where with you and me, it happened at other times in our lives for different right. reasons. But now that it's happened to so many people, remember, you know, they're like, we said it, pandemic killed hustle culture. I think it injured it, but I fear it's the Voldemort that's 
and it's every Harry Potter movie, he's he's back more and more. And it's like right. work-life balance is not a thing. It can't be. You cannot right. like you cannot work without life. So stop compromising the thing that's more important for the thing that's less important. Yeah, a hundred percent. And if you start it- finding yourself struggling to balance work and life then you need to identify that you're struggling with an absurd concept. Right. Yeah, I think it even goes back to our favorite quote of don't confuse my free time with availability. Like those those moments when you're not working, it doesn't mean that you like shut off work and it doesn't mean that you repair yourself to be able to go back to work better. The, the way that we of think, work, yeah. yeah, in the service of work, the way that we think about um, the life portion as a fuel for your job is completely, <laughs> it's, absurd. Like, it's, it's delusional. Yeah. It's totally absurd. However, 100%. as someone who was totally deluded, I accept that it's like, I'm not pointing my finger at everyone is my biggest fear. Cause what started was my highlight was don't confuse my free time with availability. The thing about it is that term is something you need to say to yourself. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. And that's so I say that when we're like, that's our favorite. That's my favorite quote. I have to remind myself of that daily. Because like, it's, it's up not. To yeah. And yeah. again, these habits, our habitual nature are so in deeply ingrained. And when when things get tough, when you're tired, you just you revert back to habits because that's what your body knows how to do. But it doesn't necessarily make it good for you. And that's the thing you have to see is absurd is that you struggle with putting work in front of life. Yes. <laughs> um, and this is where I think it was a revelation for you when I brought it up is it's, it's all about how you work, where we've come now. It can no mm-hmm. longer be about where or when you work. It's more about how you combine all of those things with your life that defines how you work. It will define not only your professional value, so, so what if you do, if you do things in half the time that someone else does, well, it's none twice of their the damn time, business. it's none of your damn business. And why should I charge you half the, the price? Right? So there's that whole, you know, my whole rate hour thing, but well, that's where it, they say it, it took me 30 minutes, but it took me 39 years and 30 minutes. There it is. <gasps> it's all about how you work. That will define not only your professional value, it will contribute to better day-to-day lifestyle and well-being. It's not about how you work to be better at work. It's about how you work to be better at life. I love that. Okay. Booyah. Booyah. I love it. Excellent way to end our episode. I love that final takeaway. Um, And I, I do feel these have been true revelations. My biggest revelation is this podcast is the most important thing in my what all it is work um but yes. it is it is that work life thing is it is work that makes my life better it makes me better at my job it makes me more thoughtful in my everyday it forces me to reflect it forces me to question and most important it forces me to talk to Lindsay for an hour every two weeks and that is <laughs> awesome oh i thought you were going to say unbearable unbearable <laughs> but awesome thank you so much sean that was awesome thanks Lindsay. Talk soon. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. New episodes launch every two weeks, so be sure to subscribe to the Two Marketeers podcast wherever you like to listen. Or go to the twomarketeers.ca and connect with us. That's the Two Marketeers 
www.thrivethrough.ca. Spell it out. We are everywhere. This podcast is over.